you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, Damashek here. Please check out the new episode of the Dave Damashek Football Program presented by McDonald's. The great Jonah Carey and I have a rangy conversation. And handsome Hank Patrick Claybon and I give it's about who should start for the L.A. Rams. And we look at hard knocks and break down the premiere episode L.A. Rams, Case Keenum versus Jared Goff, all that. Check it out on iTunes or NFL.com slash podcasts. The Around the NFL podcast has fallen down a well. Help. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Mark, do you remember the 1980s, like, falling down a well story seemed to pop up every few months? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people back then still had wells on their properties in that, some cases I that were wells. not being, you know, used. That's one of my favorite money drops of all time. It's really testing the bounds of what a money drop can be, and I love it. It's kind of going off in its own world in a way. Greg wrote it. It's falling into <laughs> itself. <laughs> um, Great book about falling down a well, Wind Up Bird Chronicle. There you go. Are we <laughs> – Really? Are you yeah. for real? It's not really about falling down well, but that's a big uh it's a big part of it. So are we, it's riveting. Are we ready to talk about the guy that's been outside our building for <laughs> six months now? There's a crazy person that's been picketing NFL Network Studios. Uh and the latest sign that he has up. Well, first of all, my favorite sign remains. Uh NFL comma. And they and these are on Washington Boulevard, all the cars in rush hour. Uh NFL comma, sex with no Vaseline. His signs not only are getting more bold and audacious, but just more raunchy. Yeah. And then here's one I thought, Brandon, uh, you would be interested by because of your profession. Uh, NFL producers belong in jail. (laughs) What did you think about that? I've been told to give no comment on this situation, so I'm not going to. (laughs) I I think he's pointing not to – I don't think he means a a dyed-in-the-wool like day-by-day producer, but like the high-up – Decision well, for some he's context, he seems to be upset that he believes he had an idea that was taken by the NFL for the show that would ultimately become undrafted. Yes, Greg, good context. He has a sign that says, NFL, pay me my $25 million. So he believes. $25 million, I've never even heard of it. 
Well, he's a crazy person. You've never heard of the show or the? Never even heard of that show. You know what? It's a pretty good show. It's, <laughs> it's on NFL it's Network. Good. It's, it's good. a good show. No, it's it a is a rated show. It's solid. It's a solid show. On Wes. Anyway, so that guy, um, <laughs> if you're listening, because yeah, I assume there's a lot of time to kill out there. He spends literally all day sitting on the sidewalk outside our building, uh, picketing uh, this business. He reads the same book every day. Yeah, the Bible. Right. That's another sign. I don't, I don't want to. He if he's reading the Bible. Next thing you know, it's going to be catcher in the rye. You just stay away from that guy. That's if all. I was reading the Bible every day, I might not be making a sign about sex with no Vaseline. Yeah, we'll save that for the um, for the theology podcast. Coming up later in the offseason, the following offseason. Not this up, up, upcoming offseason after the 2016 season. After 2017 season, we will have our long-awaited theology Coming podcast. up. Um, this is the Monday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Three more shows coming up this week as we continue to hurdle towards actual football. Right now, we're in the midst now of the preseason, and preseason week one of four is now in the books. Uh, so we will spend a uh, sizable portion of today's podcast uh, talking about uh, you know, again, not so much the games and the results. Who cares? But some of the things within the games, the games within the games. And, of course, this is football. Injuries uh, that came out of those games. So we'll get into all that. Then we will continue our division-by-division division preview. Arriba! Uh, this time on the NFC North. NFC North. Greg, you're excited. It's quite a division. Black and blue. I'll try this again. Mark, I know you're excited. <laughs> I am thrilled to be discussing the NFC North. I am. Wes, I know you're excited. Get me to September, please. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but before we do that, we check behind the glass. Uh, what is up, Irish? I'm excited to talk NFC North. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. Break uh, it down. Yeah, but you know what? Even you and your voice, I could tell, you know. Well, you know, I have a very monotone voice. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I've ever showed any, you know, excitement was yeah. after we won the championship. That was it. Yeah, there was a joyfulness uh, to your personality. That Your night. conceit, Dan, is that no one really is excited about the NFC North at all. I, don't I know. am. I think, I think we, we all are. are. I guess, I don't know, maybe people aren't excited to talk about it. Maybe the segment people aren't excited no, about. No, that, I think you're showing some of your – we had a great time talking to the NFC East. I thought that was a good I, segment. I did too. I enjoyed it. I thought it. that was a good segment. Don't turn it back on me, bra. I think he's speaking about the North specifically, not the mm. – we know Dan likes the East. Love I think the, the East NFC had a lot going on. The North is another favorite of mine. A lot of interesting, okay. intriguing teams in the North Division. Let's do some news. We're supposed to be a unit. Suck my unit. <laughs> uh, yes, that is from Good job, Irish That is from Tropic Thunder I watched that yesterday Sent out a tweet That I thought it was One of the all-time Underrated comedies Got a ton of feedback A lot of people agreeing That Tropic Thunder Criminally underrated Anybody agree? Disagree? I liked it I wouldn't I don't know if it's I feel that strongly about it But I'm, I'll roll with you on I think this. it's wonderful I think it's subversive I You called Aaron Donald Underrated original. And I don't know if I believe that he's underrated at this stage, but I see where you're going with it. Yeah, well, that was that was a good way to, you know, kind of Yeah, you were making your your connection. Connection. Yeah. I think he's underrated, Aaron Donald, just because a lot of people don't even really know who he is. Yeah, probably on a national level he's not known. Like, from the casual sports fan. I don't know. Like You football heads in here, yeah. You guys. Oh, no, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. We, we know him and others don't, but I, I don't know. He's a star. He's underrated on the top 100 list. 
Ooh, yeah. Someone that's not on the top 100 list but hopes to be one day is Carson Wentz, the Philadelphia Eagles rookie quarterback who played his first professional game, did not go too well. Uh, he suffered a hairline fracture in his ribs during Thursday's preseason game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, he took it on a pretty nasty hit uh, right to uh, the midsection, um, the type of hit that, you know, maybe he wasn't taking in college, but welcome to the show, buddy. And you are now, uh, your preseason is in doubt, which, Mark, I'll start with you here because you just last week predicted not only that Carson Wentz is going to find his way into the lineup in a relatively soon matter, he's going to thrive. No preseason, that hurts. Well, um, <clears throat> injuries would, you know, alter predictions like that. Uh, but Wentz, Wentz had injury issues in college. You know, they, they knew that coming in. And if you watch that game, he made some plays. He looked, he looked uh, inexperienced in other situations, but he took two or three megaton hits. One where Greg and I were there that night where he was lifted into the air basically and tossed to the ground and just was lying there. But he kept getting back up. I think he's a tough player, but I'm not surprised he came out of that game dinged up. Hurts a lot because he's going to be, what, the scout team quarterback once the season starts? You you know, you're only going to get so many uh, valuable reps in a preseason situation or, or in practice like he is, you know, splitting it up. You can't really make up that time. I think it makes him less likely to be starting. Sorry, you know, I, I think it hurts his chances of starting week seven, week eight, if the Eagles season is not going well. It doesn't mean he won't be, uh, but it hurts. He could have put some good tape out there this month. I didn't. You don't want to make too much out of one preseason game, but after seeing his mechanical flaws in the preseason opener, I didn't expect him to play this year at all. Mm. Well, I'll tell you someone else who didn't look too good, Chase Daniel. No. Also, they're wide receivers who cannot get open whatsoever. Right. That's the thing. It's It, it was a small sample. Offensive line and receivers are bad there, um, but we'll, we'll have to see. Because like, if that's a situation where Sam Bradford is really struggling to make that offense move at all, maybe they're not going to want to put Carson Wentz out there behind a bad line with, with bad receivers. It's possible that I made a prediction in August that's going to go completely <laughs> stormy. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And and also, I think, Greg, you were predicting magic for the Eagles this year. I did pick them uh, to win the division. Feel a little weird about that now? Is the season starting well, to take a little bit of shape? No, because all of this, that offense, are you? All of this. I'm not confident in the offense. I think the defense is really going to be good. I think that the about a nine, six wins in Philly this winter. I think there's going to be a bad division in general. And I tend to think most of August from a team level. Let's not get too carried away. Let's see what happens week one and on. Bad news for the New Orleans Saints uh, who are counting on their first round defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins to make an immediate impact but it's going to have to wait. He was carted off the field during Monday's practice with what the team believes to be a broken fibula based on initial tests. A source of the injury told uh, Rap Sheet he was injured during a goal line drill uh, the rookie will undergo more testing, but surgery is expected this week, uh, according to Rappaport, who noted that Rankins is a candidate for the good old IR boomerang. Uh, Wes, how much does this hurt a Saints D that needs to get better? Well, it, they're lucky he's not out for the season, but they were counting on him and, at one point this offseason, Kakaha to both play major roles, and now two of their most talented defensive Young defensive stars are out, so I think that's a major issue. Not to mention uh, Stephon Anthony is coming off an injury, might be out for the whole preseason too, another top 50 uh, pick that they took. I mean, it, he, they were counting on him to start. Nick Fairley's there. Uh, they have a, a guy they're really excited about, Sean Payton, Tyler 
uh, Davison, I believe, uh, that is starting a fifth-round guy from a, a year ago, but they're, they're thin. You're right. That's yeah, the, you wonder where the pass rush is going to come from. Well, that's and they drafted. This was a draft for need situation with Sheldon Rankins, and they brought him in as one of the best college interior pass rushers around. And he was he was playing great. Picked off Tom Brady in their dual practices. Played well in the game against the Patriots, and then bang, he's gone. Uh, moving on, a little bit of NFL history. Former Seahawks safety Kenny Easley uh, has been selected as a senior finalist uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, this is a player that was one of the top young stars of the 1980s, won Defensive Rookie of the Year honors in 81, uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 83, and Defensive Player of the, year of the Year in 1984. And you wonder, why are we talking about this man? It's because Chris Wessling has something he wants to get off his chest. And when a football historian like Wes wants to talk about Kenny Easley, God damn it, we're going to talk about him. Wes. If you're of a certain age as a football fan, and Mark and I are at that age, if you're in your early 40s, you remember Kenny Easley as a difference maker in the 1980s who was on the Ronnie Lott career path and probably honored more than Ronnie Lott. The rookie of the year, 83 AFC Defensive Player of the Year, 84 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I, I saw one Seahawks blog describe him as basically a super safety was – Cam Chancellor's bone jarry physicality with Earl Thomas's instincts in the back end, which is high as high praise as you can get. But that's who Kenny Easley was in the 1980s. And if we're talking about valuing transcendence over longevity, Kenny Easley was as transcendent as a safety mm. gets for a five-year period. Yeah, I mean, we took the Hall of Fame to task on a number of you know how they would deal with certain players of today down the road. This is an example of them getting it right. And it was Ronnie Lott who tweeted minutes after the announcement that this was a special player. He was right up there with Ronnie Lott, but he just had a shorter career, Terrell Davis-like. Not a lot of safeties in the NFL, in the Hall of Fame. To be clear, this doesn't mean he is in the Hall of Fame. He still has to be voted with the other finalists in January, but most of them that make it this far and get chosen by the seniors committee, they do make it in, almost all of them. And if, Not he, doesn't, always, if he doesn't get in, this show never mentions the Hall of Fame ever again. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I mean, Bold. let's be real. Get it done. That's. I mean, that's probably not true. But okay. Still like, but it's. It's. You know yeah. what I said about Carson Wentz a week ago wasn't true. So I'll continue <laughs> to spout falsities. Um. All right. Moving on. Here we go, guys. That's what's happening in the news. Uh, let's now dig into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday preseason action. Let's start with Friday night. We'll go in order uh, of the days, Greg. Friday into Saturday into Sunday. Uh, that's the order of days. And uh, why don't we start with uh, Mark's team there on the uh, the old lake of Erie. Is that correct? Well, the game played in Green Bay, but yes. But that's the, the team. Yes, the team is based. located near Lake Erie. Yes, absolutely. Cleveland Browns. Now, the game was being played in Wisconsin at uh, well, Lambeau Superior. Field right near uh, Lake Superior. I was going to say that. Took it right out of my mouth. Um, and listen, the RG3 reclamation project continues. We're going to get excited about this because he made a couple plays and he hit Terrell Pryor, of all people, downfield on a big throw, Mark. But then he also made some RG3-type plays. Uh, what were your takeaways from your first live-action experience as an RG3 fan? Well, all right. Back the truck up. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I came away very concerned um, with specifically one thing. Their offensive line, they've obviously lost Mitchell Schwartz. They lost Alex Mack. And right away you learn, and it's one game, so I don't want to overreact, but you cannot 
replace Alex Mack with almost anyone in the league outside of four or five centers, maybe. And Cam Irvin, uh, he allowed a couple of guys through that ended up on big hits on RG3. He, I believe, had 11 passes or attempts and was hit three times very hard. We're not going to be talking about RG3 for long if this line doesn't learn how to protect the quarterback better. He was on the run, and, you know, RG3, you, you nailed it. He did, he did one or two good things. You can tell they want to be a vertical offense. I think when they do have Josh Gordon and they have Corey Coleman on the field who were not, they're going to try to do that because this team's going to have to score points. The other thing I looked at was that Green Bay's quarterback undrafted, what, Joe Campbell? Callahan. Joe Callahan looked like he was sent straight down from heaven during parts of that game. (laughs) Shredding Cleveland's defense at will. He was shredding Cleveland's defense at will. I don't like against like a bunch of like future bouncers and UPS drivers. He looked like he won a competition to play with the pros or something. I don't know. Matt Flynn's little brother. I'm just saying if he looked like Matt Flynn's younger brother, he had long drives against Cleveland's defense. And outside of a couple young players, that secondary is going to give up points. I'm very I'd be very concerned about the way Cleveland's team is constructed right now. That's well, it. Well, we know that. We know yeah, Cleveland's you, got so a long way to go. So the expectations need to be low. But if we to focus on RG3 a little longer yeah. here, like uh, one thing I noticed, I watched NFL.com's doing a nice job. They're putting out videos of every throw of some of these guys. So I watched the RG3 reel, and two of his big completions, right after he throws the ball, they cut back to him, and he's peeling himself off the ground. <laughs> right. Doing that move where he's laying face down, and he's like pausing for a second. He's like, how injured am I? And then right. he pops up. It's like he, if he's going to take those hits again, we're going to be right in the same place where either he's going to be ineffective or hurt or both. Well, and, and it extends to one more note on them. They want to run the ball. They talk about wanting to be one of the top three in rushing attempts. Isaiah Crowell got absolutely blown up. Again, like you cannot run the ball or have healthy Mark's functioning nervous. quarterbacks without an offensive line. Well, and you know what? They, when they had no quarterbacks and no skill players, they had a good offensive line. Now you finally get some of these players in house and the line looks to be a shambles. I don't want to overreact, but I am. Right. It's a couple series and that's the thing. If it was a real game, we would that's only two series out of 10 and you and it doesn't seem as big a deal. I mean, what a statement by Hugh Jackson. He's trying to make a statement. My first play in when I'm back as coach is going to be a 50-yard bomb to Terrell freaking Pryor and they nail it. That's a good omen. Uh but I then, remember when the Redskins waited until the actual regular season <laughs> began before they made their statement. The, the thing I'd be worried about about RG3 and you're right about all the pressure though. Uh the interception there was no pressure on that and he rushed a, a throw great catch in the red, well red zone. i would say that gary barnage could have done a little more on that reception and and literally the play after prior uh rg3 fumbles a handoff uh and he also had an uncatchable ball that erased what would have been a defensive pass interference and no pressure on those so that's three pretty big oops plays in two drives that's the things he's got to clean up that was an odd moment. They call pass interference, and you know you're thinking, oh, the drive is extended. But then the ref had to say, excuse me, but by the way, it actually isn't pass interference because the ball was completely uncatchable. That was not the kind of PA, PA announcement you're hoping for if you're a Browns fan. All right, you ready, Mark? <laughs> Name all the Great Lakes. Uh, Lake Huron, Lake Erie, Lake Superior, Lake Michigan, Lake Hansis. Mm. Ontario. 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 What is I don't. I ignore Canada largely. The, so the the biggest Great Lake, Superior. Correct. Homes. Mark, we do have Canadian listeners. I don't ignore the Canadian listeners. Just the land they live in. Okay, that's important. That distinction. Yeah. Yes. Let's move on. Talk more. What did you say, Wes? Homes. That's how you remember the mnemonic trick. H o m e s. Like Roy G. Biv for the rainbow. 
That's why I went hands. Or you could just go your whole <laughs> life without knowing them. That's what well. I'm now you know Holmes. You'll be right. Goes nihilistic in a big spot. <laughs> Stunner. Stunner on the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk a little. Ooh, let's talk a little New York Giants. We'll touch on some of these teams. Not a not a lot to get into with some of them, but we should touch on all these different things. And again, check out NFL.com. We wrote, had what we learns up uh, both uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, and then some coverage, of course, of the Sunday night game as well. Uh, and we really do distill it. The Giants uh, played against the Miami Dolphins in uh, the Meadowlands, and bad news, uh, mid-game injuries for cornerback Eli Apple, who strained his leg, and then uh, Mr. Wonderful wide receiver Sterling Shepard, uh, you know, who injured his groin, and of course, no Victor Cruz, Wes, who is now being reevaluated for a groin strain. Uh, so your thoughts on the Giants' offense? Well, this game broke multiple Browns games records for most times putting me to sleep in one weekend when I tried to watch it on Game Pass. This game was hideous to watch, yeah. and I can recommend it in no way, shape, or form, but Sterling Shepard did have a diving catch near the sideline that was good, and the Dolphins' offense continues to be a hideous embarrassment. The Dolphins' offense had one first down in eight series during team scrimmage last weekend, and against the Giants, Miami didn't have a first down in their first four drives. Are you worried about that, Greg? That was ugly. Olivier Vernon put put it on his old teammates. I mean, they everyone's getting frustrated. Clyde Christensen, their offensive coordinator, says everything needs to be faster. And uh, it just reminds you, a lot of these teams that are with the new offensive coordinators, they they're struggling off the bat. That's what happens. I mean, that that's what happens. You can't you can't worry too much uh, right now. Moving on, the Detroit Lions and Pittsburgh Steelers played a football game. Of course, the Lions, Chris Wessling, invested uh, three first-round picks in their offensive line in recent years. Uh, but you have to be a little bit concerned, Wes, about what you saw from that line uh, on Friday night. The worst run-blocking line in the NFL last season, and they weren't great in pass protection either, but uh, Taylor Decker got worked by James Harrison on a strip sack, and he had a holding penalty the play before that. I think that's your number one concern if you're a Lions fan. And then Mark Sess- one of Mark Sessler's favorite players, Zach Zenner. Zen bomb. Playing ahead of Stephen Ridley Zen. as the power back. He mm. looks like he's going to be in a one-two punch with Amir Abdullah once the season starts. Theo Riddick isn't really a runner. He's just a receiver for the Lions. Stephen Ridley's, you know, he might be, his career might be He couldn't move year. last year. Just because of the injuries, he just doesn't seem, seem like he had it. Sammy Coates, who's been a big uh, – Preseason darling, camp darling. A lot of them had nice preseasons, but Coates had a nightmare game. A couple fumbles, a bobble, was playing in deep into the fourth quarter. I don't that know if that's a good or bad. That's a bad sign for him. I'm not sure. A big knock on him coming into the league was his ball skills at the catch point, and you couldn't feel too great about his hands after that game. Hey, Wes, let's move to Minnesota, Cincinnati. Um, first of all, 17-16. What a game. Back and forth, who wins, who loses. You never know until the final gun. But the guy I want to talk about is running back Jeremy Hill, who a couple weeks ago on this show, or maybe it was last week, it all blends together. I pegged as a potential comeback candidate. How did he look running the ball? He only had three carries. He left with a left index finger injury, which he tweeted after the game will be just fine and he'll play next week. But I thought he looked quicker and more decisive than he did last year when he looked like he was running in cement cleats. I liked uh, I like seeing Tyler Boyd of the Bengals. All you hear about him that he's a slot guy. He went deep down the field on the uh, down the sideline for a beautiful long catch. If he can be an outside type of receiver, he, I mean they need him. He's about as important as a rookie receiver I can think in the league. Just about in terms of they need him to produce and play right away. Don't forget about Charles Johnson, forty nine yard touchdown reception. 
in that game. Playing ahead of Laquan Treadwell. In your stable of boys, Zach Zenner, Charles Johnson, who is closer to a master suite? Well, Zenner, uh, Zenner didn't have a house or a room in that house for a long time, but I do remember enjoying him last summer. I think he's let back in, but no, come on, Charles Johnson. That's my boy. <laughs> I think that um, Zach Zenner, who led the NFL in rushing last preseason, has overtaken Jimmy Graham, who used to play college basketball. As like the most used. What about Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. Did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Big Super Bowl. I think Super Bowl 40. The worst Super Bowl of the last 10 years, in my opinion. Oh, by far. Yeah. And And also a a fraudulent uh, contest on many levels. That was a bad Super Bowl. And by the way, big announcement. And it comes from a, a note, and Wes is what we learned. Fortune favors the bulb. Remember that when you take freakishly talented Cardinals lead back David Johnson in your fantasy draft. No risk it, no biscuit. Yes, coming up later this month, 2016, fantasy spectacular. Look, if it was that obvious to take him, then the guy drafting first would take him in every draft. You wouldn't be so smart if if everyone else was on to him. You got to take it bold. Go get the guy who's talented. This guy's right, and I think it's next week, the fantasy extravaganza. So we better get cracking and on I'm that. saying if it was obvious, the crappy owner in your league would take him. <laughs> Don't be the crappy owner in your league. That's what we're here for. Mark, you're going to be on the corner, fantasy corner. I'm going to bring it. I have some factoids and some information to unleash on you. Ooh, I like that. On me particularly. No, I mean on the group. Oh, society. And the listener. How about Canadians? Uh, the Canadian listener. <laughs> Specifically the Canadian. Yeah, not the land. I got you. <laughs> Don't care about the territory. Got you, got you, got you. Uh, moving on, let's talk Greg Rosenthal about Matt McGloin. You're excited about him. The Raiders are in good hands. <laughs> when this comes up, uh, yeah, he's the preseason MVP. I mean, he's always in the mix at the end of the year for preseason MVP, whether it's 2014, 15. He's got the celebrations. It was kind of a Mark-like celebration going like the, like pumping his fists in the air. Oh, uh, yes. The he bar. had the MJ moment a few years ago. When you're watching the preseason, you want to find McGloin. Story story of that game was Brandon Williams, the Cardinals third oh, round. Wait, you don't want to double down to McGloin talk? I think Greg was, covered it. Okay. He's a little there was a little hyperbolic about his two thousand fourteen performance, but other than that, <laughs> that, that's fine. Uh Brandon Williams, Cardinals rookie cornerback who had been tearing up training camp. They were very excited about him, and Derek Carr came out and picked on him. 16-yard completion to Crabtree, and then Amari Cooper burned him down the sideline. It was slightly overthrown. Another play down the sideline that was overthrown that, that Cooper had beat him on again, and Andre Holmes got him on a touchdown. Now, he he did some things where he played some receivers tight too, but that's something to watch. He's only been playing cornerback since his last year in college. He was a former running back. I mean, I almost want to forget. I, I watched that game, and I and that became a big narrative that the announcers kept discussing. And by the way, these preseason announcers, is there is there any player in the league that isn't you know zooming towards an all-pro berth? <laughs> Settle down, preseason announcers. But Williams, I mean, guys. I want to give Good Williams a couple more games before – we kind of – it's so easy to – we're getting our first football. We want to overreact yeah. to everyone up and down. Oh, I don't but. I don't think he's doomed to be a failure, but I do think he, there's a good chance he's going to be the most targeted cornerback in the NFL. Well, and yeah. that was that was the position. I talked about it all summer. Wes thought I was overrating this factor, just that they're thin at cornerback. It's, it's, they know it's the it's the position where they've had some injuries, they've lost some players, and, and we'll see. I do love, though, the, the announcer for that game, though. Oh, oh Bob, we love him. Well, Ron, Ron, Ron Wolfley. Wolfley. Bob Wolfley. Former, former Ron fullback, Ron Wolfley. Wolfley. He, he used to say, if you need a yard, 
I'll get you a yard. If you need two yards, okay. I'll get you a yard. Here, here are some quotes from uh, Ron during that game. Uh, he looks like a pretzel. You look like a toothpick. That was describing uh, Cardinal six foot six, two hundred and seventy pound tight end Troy Nicholas. Some guys walk around with a pencil. Some guys walk around with a sledgehammer. He's big. Into, <laughs> to these, I, uh, I'm not sure images. that the that that were, the voice is what it comes Did down to. This guy to suffer too. a head injury. This is Just the guy who off. sounds exactly after like a per- after a particularly yeah. nice throw. You know, you want to talk about dropping a pee into a thimble. Okay, I like thimbles. Here's another one on Khalil Mack. Yeah. I haven't seen a linebacker move like that since Lawrence Taylor. Mm. That's just really good, you know, praise for a guy. Well, he, he played, played with, yeah, he, played with he was in that era. Wow. Yeah, DeAndre Washington's a guy to watch for some fantasy. Mm. I like the looks of him. The Raiders uh, backup running back. And they nice need, open they, field juke. They need someone. How about making the leap candidate Clive Walford? Oh, yeah. All Boy. in a touchdown. Tell me that guy's not British, Dan. Clive Walford. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I think he's more British than Gary Barnett. I'm Clive Walford. <laughs> hey, Gary, come here. Wait, I don't know what's wrong with that guy. <laughs> Speaking of head injuries. Wait, wait a minute. All right, let's move to Saturday. <laughs> like a English guy uh, after taking cough medicine or something. <laughs> Drinking a lot of that lean. Uh, moving on, let's move to Saturday. And we'll start with uh, there is a franchise now, officially, officially, uh, in the Los Angeles area, downtown Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Their first game, the Rams, uh, they played the Cowboys. And Jared Goff had his uh, first pro action after really a emasculating uh, performance on Hard Knocks week one. Uh, gets to at least do a couple things, complete a few passes. But he was pretty up and down, four, and not, four of nine for 38 yards. One turnover, did got get hurt, bang, got a little banged up, but nothing serious, uh, according to Jeff Fisher. But Greg Rosenthal, mm. it was a man who's got a name that sounds like a star quarterback in a, in a Hollywood production, Dak Prescott, oh. that stole the show. I thought you were going to say Case Keenum, who sounds also like sounds a- like a Hollywood quarterback. How do they get these names? They always come out with quarterback names, Dak Prescott. And Dak Case Prescott Keenum. sounds like the sheriff of Tombstone, Arizona in 1900. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great name. What what did you uh, say uh, during the game? You said he looked like he was playing like a roaming demigod. A roaming demigod. I mean, there was a point during That's that game where I thought, hey, we're, Lo- we're the Los Angeles Rams. This is meant to be a special moment. One second into it, Lucky Whitehead has run for a kick return touchdown to open up your stadium. I mean, you can't you can't write it that the on the return to Los Angeles that Lucky White that you give up the opening play for a touchdown and that Jared Goff's first pass is returned. Uh, or is uh, an interception. It's like the worst omens Nobody's possible. Nobody's going to remember any of that because it's No, I know, game. but it's just like it. Right. And it also, but everyone will forget because Les Snead and Jeff Fisher are about to get massive contract extensions. Uh, that's here. true. And I bet those will be short-term ones. But to your point, the Dak Prescott news, this is where the preseason can actually be news. And we want to see what does Dak Prescott look like uh, the next couple weeks especially, but he was very calm in the face of pressure. He handled some blitz as well. These are the things that other rookie quarterbacks – Ball placement was really good. Like he, Go- he's going back shoulder throws with Des Bryant. Right, like Goff – you know, I'm not going to get on Goff for that interception because they, they had a pretty complex blitz, which you don't expect to see on your first snap uh, of the preseason that, that got him. But Prescott, on the other hand, I mean, Gruden was talking about him looking off safeties – to throw it? I mean, he looked incredible. It, it sounds like he's improved a lot over the last couple of weeks. And they, you mentioned, Chris, in your, what we learned or your comment, your column on Prescott that they did a very smart thing. They kept, they kept Dez out there. They gave him a great group of players to work with. He looked comfortable. And his college career, 
bad offensive line and a lot of issues on his college team, and they talked about him carrying it, that he was that team all alone. And you never know. You, you think, oh, he's not, he's not going to be Carson Wentz. He's not Jared Goff. And then you find these guys in the third and fourth round that just kind of get it. And I, it's, it's ripe for overreaction. But that game, I watched that thing live and thought, <laughs> this dude is fun to watch. Yeah, I'm sure Dallas is not going to overreact to this. Oh, no. It's, a calm, well, and let calm it, fam. Let I him mean, come back enjoy. down. If he, has a, if he has a bad second game, people will come right. down on the wave a little bit. But he played. He did everything. But he could earn a job. He could be the backup. It's now. a week-to-week league. And if he doesn't fall on his face the next couple of weeks, they're not going to trade for a backup quarterback. Don't need to. It could I, be actually indirectly bad news for RG3 if McCown ends up staying in town in Cleveland. Hmm. But we'll see how that all plays out. And by the way, we're about 48 hours away from a Stephen Jones headline. We always knew we had something special in Dak. Oh, not <laughs> 48, no, no maybe, question. maybe 24. That's a good point. By I, the way, on golf, I just wanted to say, I, I thought he looked better than his numbers. Yeah. And you mentioned the interception. The sack, too, the sack that knocked him out of field goal range, he throws a really nice pass on the play before that that J.J. Wilcox knocked out of the receiver's hands. The receiver probably should have held on to What, Cooper, Farrell Cooper? Farrell I mean, Cooper. that was a beautiful throw, and that's, what you, that's pretty, what you see. He stood tall in the pocket, and he showed off a pretty nice arm. I, I thought he looked good. And I thought, uh, what, Tyler Higby, who they've been talking up a lot, he could have, they, need, they need receivers. And between him and Hunter Henry, who was on the Chargers, the two kind of – relatively hyped-up tight ends, I think, showed well and looked like guys that'll that'll matter this year. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans or maybe the Titans because Exotic Smash Mouth was looking good on Saturday in their preseason opener. Um, the Thunder and Thunder – by the way, uh, we've been doing Thunder and Lightning, what, since like Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstott? Tiki Barber, on Dane. Yeah, Dane and Tiki can Barber. We, can we find something new to describe a backfield? It's better than Smash and Dash. That's, but even that feels a little more <laughs> that fresh. That never at really caught on <laughs> Smash and Dash. Do you even know who Smash and Dash is? I have no uh, clue. How about like Mark? big guy and small guy? <laughs> <laughs> Red and Stimpy. <laughs> um, <laughs> fatty and normal, something like that. <laughs> um, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry combined for 167 yards and two touchdowns. And, uh, Wes, I'll tell you what. First of all, DeMarco Murray, did he pray to God and get his legs back? Because he just ran by everyone on a a 71-yard touchdown where he looked pretty good there. Derrick Henry uh, looked real good uh, running uh, up the middle, making moves, taking guys with him. That dude looks serious. All of you Mike Malarkey critics keep yucking it up about exotic smash mouth while the Titans punch you in the face. <laughs> Bring in the hammer. Speaking of reading too much into one preseason game. Oh, yeah. Oh, so hold on. <laughs> Let the record show I have been consistently on the Titans since April. That's true. Every time we brought up Team of ATL, I have mentioned the Titans as my favorite. Derrick Henry looked phenomenal. You mentioned, Dan, that he, do- he doesn't look like a typical NFL running back. No. I think he looks like a, like Jamal Charles got into the superhero juice. Yeah, he's, he's tall. He's big. He's wears number two. And I don't know what, what's throwing me off. Maybe it's the first time I'm, a skill player in a Titans uniform is getting me excited. <laughs> That's probably In like a decade or what, but he just looks different. He does look different. He, you don't see a big six foot three, six three and a half running back moving right. like you, that. You don't expect him to be so smooth. Now, they were crushing these Chargers linebackers who probably aren't going to make the team, and the Titans went out of their way to keep their starters in against the Chargers backups. And I thought That Henry, was for Wes. I thought Henry looked unbelievable, but you say this is a good day for uh, Mike Malarkey? Give me a break. 
This was a terrible day for Mike Malarkey. They let the fans call the first two plays. Those were the you know two best play calls of the day. <laughs> oh. It was a huge upgrade on Malarkey. Those fans gained 60 Good. yards in two plays. Great point from Greg, but I will point out that he missed an opportunity to drop what a bunch of Malarkey. That's fair. Doesn't I'll Terry say this. Trubisky call these plays? No, they auctioned off the no, first I mean, two isn't play Terry calls. The Titans play hey, it's call Malarkey's it. offense. Uh, here's in defense of Malarkey because it's not just the Don't running take backs. This too serious. You look at how Mariota ran that offense and the running game and some of the crazy stuff they were doing. They the the backward Natural handoff. Liberty. Right. I mean, Mariota looked completely crisp. He's been well coached, and that's a plus for Malarkey. This is going to be a fun team to watch. I know everybody likes to crap on the Titans, but they are going to be fun to well, watch. Well, this isn't that team that we were crapping on. Well, we, they're, they're, it's we a got different excited people last still, August. People are still crapping on them because of the Malarkey factor. We got excited and I get last it. August. That's all I'm going to say. We got excited last August. Remember all that buzz after week one? And, when, I, and you, when Mariota played, they were fun to watch. And they have two legitimate running backs that they did not have last year. I hear you, Dan. Well, we'll they got to go do it. But we'll see if DeMarco time. Murray is a legitimate running back. I'm not basing it off of one run we all where he had when acres happened. of land around him. Like, we'll see when when the games start. I think Derrick Henry, this is the type of thing you've never seen him play before. You get to see it with your own eyes. Yeah, and he obviously is a really talented But then player. good for them for drafting Henry and adding strength Absolutely. upon strength. They know what they want to be. You need more than one running back, and they went out Got one. These pre-draft reports that Derrick Henry has no lateral agility I know, are really laughable. F- I'm, I was he's surprised. some like LeGarrette Blunt clone or something. Give me a break. Well, it, it's a reminder that you know players improve, players change. Or I, the I, scouting reports were wrong. I like seeing uh, Melvin Gordon, by the way, looking. looking he looked surprised. good. It was a you know was, that's big for Spice Rack. Baby. Winners and losers this weekend. Winners Spice Rack. Not only did Melvin <laughs> Gordon have some juice in his leg, but Jonathan Williams yeah. of the Bills played pretty well. That that real deep sleeper he well, had. Well, Wes and I spoke about it downstairs. Uh, everybody's like, oh, when's Spice Rack coming back on? You know, Will Spice Rack be back? It's the buzz all over social media. <laughs> if Melvin Gordon runs for 1,000 yards this season, Spice Rack can come back on the show. Well, it's kind of hard to have him on to talk about anything else. That. Considering He'll do that. We gave him many chances to talk about NFL players, and it was basically eight oh. mentions of Nick Van Exel, oh. one of Melvin Gordon, and three of Jonathan Williams, and that's it. You know, Greg doesn't like when you dwell on this ugly pass with Spice Rack. <laughs> I love Spice Rack. He's great. But we did give him a chance to talk NFL players. Well, 1,000 yards, which is not a hard thing to do in the modern NFL. Um, that's averaging 60 yards a game over a mm. season if you play every game. That's Spice Rack's ticket back to the Around the NFL podcast. Let's move on and talk about uh, another running back, uh, another reclamation project, uh, Kristen Michael Sr. <laughs> Gross. I guess he had a child. No, Greg, by the way. more mature. Oh, Greg rolled his tongue. Yeah, what was that, that sound? That just, idiots. If the listener dials back about 20 seconds, you can hear we're that gonna, audibly. We're going to edit all that. And we had to see. No, we're not. So you are – actually turned on sexually, Greg, by uh, Kristen Michael Sr.'s I was just making awakening. a weird face because you were just looking at me. Anyway, away, <laughs> seven carries, 44 yards rushing. Uh, you got Thomas Rawls, who was, you know, borderline phenom before he went down with his injury last year. But all of a sudden, Chris Wessling, it looks like they might have a real stash and dash, uh, fatty and the skinny, thunder <laughs> and thunder and lumber uh, combo. Well, if you're one of these uh, ostrich head in the sand fantasy football fans who stops paying attention in week 16, Ouch. You're, you're, you're skeptical of Kristen Michael because you didn't see his week 17 phenomenal game against the Cardinals and his wild card round game against uh, the Vikings when he looked really good. Mm-hmm. And then 
that January, the entire coaching staff is praising him for newfound maturity. All offseason and training camp, he's the leader in the running back's room. You could see that this push was coming, that Kristen Michael is a different running back. He's always had the talent, and now they've got a one-two punch with Rawls and Kristen Michael. He will be part of this backfield, and you can forget about all those rookies you were hearing a lot about. Maybe C.J. Procise will play on passing downs, but this Alex Collins garbage and the other seventh-round guy, they're not playing, baby. A little fantasy extravaganza teaser. You handcuffing these guys in a draft? Hmm. Well, I have Rawls as a keeper in a dynasty league, and I drafted Kristen Michael a month ago to pair with him, so I'm in good shape there. So that's a yes. If you're in a redraft, that's a little rusty with advice. I don't do redraft. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta be able to give out the advice. Would you? Well, put it I've been doing it for a month. Take Kristen Michael and ignore all yeah. these rookies. I think <laughs> I think you could take Michael even without Rawls. Uh, you, you called uh, Terrence West the best running back on Thursday night. I mean, I'm with you. I think Kristen Michael is the best running back of the weekend. He's kind of a good test of Derek do, Henry. Do you believe players can change at some point? in their of careers. Course, of like, course they of, can. Of course they can. It happens every year and, and sometimes they burn you again and again and he's kind of the he's kind of like a shorthand at this point for football hipsters who have just like wanted him to be good year after year after year. But but there's a lot of reason to believe this is the year. They run block great on that team. People people knock that offensive line for the most part. They've done a good job on Well that. and if you and you watch where his early yardage came, it was through that guard center guard window he was plowing through people and he was fun to watch arrow up on this situation Charles Johnson Clive Walford Kristen Michael Mark Sessler's making the leap columns go back and read them all they are prophetic I don't care when I wrote them I like when Mark pumps himself up I don't do it enough that's good well I do it when it's when it's actually needed to be done that was good and when it has some meat attached to it my name is Clive Walford I'm going to be a real breakout player of the season. Guy Barnes has got nothing on me, mate. Quit Do you it. think when they brought him back that they felt like he's close to turning the corner? Or was it a desperation move and they knew who he when was? When they brought him back in December, it was a desperation move. Three teams cut him they last year. They saw that he was. No, right. So I'm saying. Three but, teams. They but the narrative, the the narrative the could be like Pete Carroll knew, but it's like I don't think he knew. I don't he knew, think but he knew, but I think once he was there for a few weeks, then they knew that, hey, this guy's taking it a lot more seriously. He had some very rare uh, com- complaints. He would not carry the ball in his left hand. That was one. And when. Diva. In their Tom Cable blocking scheme, getting from point A to point B is just as important as getting mm. from point B to point C. And he wasn't getting from the handoff to the line and, and seeing the right holes. And it seems like he's doing all of that now. Yeah, getting canned as a 20-year-old or in your 20s sometimes uh, changes your viewpoint. Well, hey, by the way, Andy Reid, uh, in this game, like let's cut down on the quarterbacks. You don't need five quarterbacks all getting five attempts or more. Five quarterbacks is an insane amount of quarterbacks for a game. Tyler Bray has a spinal injury, so he'll be out of the Make some choices. I do like, first of all, that game ended on a a super depressing Hail Mary um, uh, with a bunch of, you know, guys that probably won't be on the team involved. And then they cut to Andy Reid, who was on the, you know, hammer end of this Hail Mary on the coaching sideline, and he made a face like, don't care. He couldn't have cared less. It was some of the worst Hail Mary coverage also. It was like, I implore everyone to check it out because they went with like straight man coverage. Usually a Hail Mary is like a crowd on the field. There was nothing. It was just one-on-one coverage down the sideline. <laughs> like go. game on the line. It's fun. It's funny. Uh, let's talk about uh, possible calamities uh, for uh, quarterback situations. The Colts, who have Scott Tolzien up, uh, in line to be the new backup instead of Matt Hasselbeck, who was killed on the field last season. Uh, but 
The former Packers backup was severely outplayed by EJ Manuel in that Colts Bills game. And coming off a, a injury marred season, you a little bit worried there, Greg? No. Neither am I. I am not. Luck will probably play this. I, I tried to watch each game. This was the game I couldn't find any notes other than Jonathan Williams, which we already covered. Our boy. That Colts Bills, by the way, Andrew Luck didn't play and then totally unnecessary, but Jim Irsay decided to take to Twitter and let everyone know one of the reasons why Luck wasn't playing is because Rex Ryan takes the preseason too seriously, which I totally believe in. Well, that is true. Yes. I don't know. By that logic, a lot of a lot of coaches do because they were cooking up some blitzes this weekend and a lot of these games – a gap blitzes. Wade Phillips, stuff. son of bum, took to Twitter. To, he had some issues with people saying that the the Broncos are blitzing too much against the Bears, and he made a good point. And again, it shows how football, as big as everyone is a fan of the sport of football, nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> he like put everybody in their place and used all this football jargon to explain that that he wasn't really blitzing. There were things that looked like blitzes but weren't blitzes. Don't talk about what you don't know. <laughs> That's what he was saying. God bless, son of bum. And finally, let's move to the Sunday game. And, Mark, you wrote about it on our website. Brock yeah. Osweiler looked like a pile of fart garbage. Wow. Well, it was a small <laughs> sample size. I mean, that's the that's the tweet that we're going to use, the tweet quote. <laughs> <Dan Hansen. laughs> he didn't get much done. I mean, the, I mean, it, it was it was a very, you know, quick audition for him. The best thing that came out of it for them was I thought Lamar Miller looked good in that in that ground hey, game dude. for them but that was also also you quick Greg. you know I mean yeah Kenny no, Hilliard there Kenny Hilliard looked great I mean they the, the Texans they what ran about Brock? the ball at I with Brock Osweiler I just think that look I think I went out on a limb and defended him last season for the way that he you know handled a tough situation in Denver but when you boil it down he some of the same quirks that we saw with the Broncos just absolutely reappeared on field on the field against the Niners. I mean, it was like nine plays. It was three, three and outs. Ouch. Didn't, didn't have a, a ton to prove. But I was watching the thing that concerned me most. I know this is stupid, and it's not the thing that I usually get into, which is I, the thing that concerned me the most if I was a Texans fan was the interview with the sideline reporter. Well, this is not a Greg thing. No, it's not. But it just got me thinking, like, he is not just – learning a brand new offense after slowly learning one offense in his career. He is learning how to become a franchise quarterback and the state of the thing. And I don't know, his eyes and that thing and the way he was talking, it just, I suddenly thought like, oh, this is a lot for Brock Oswald. It's a lot for him to take on, to learn a brand new offense and be the face of the team. And you could, you could just kind of tell he was trying to be that, hey, I'm the starting quarterback now, and I'm not trying to seem too down and get a first down. It's just a lot. Wasn't that Dan's analysis of Brock Osweiler at his introductory press conference? <laughs> yeah. That he was basically trying to be the franchise? He was yeah. Well, I mean, hard. he grew up under Peyton Manning, and I thought that with the Broncos last season, he was, like, dangerously polished mm. in his interviews. And he, he was extremely complimentary of everyone else, saying everything – that a Peyton Manning boring-esque interviewee would say, and I think it's rubbed off on him a little bit. Hot take. Tom Savage is real. <laughs> Tom Savage is real. Tom Savage is real. Well, three times. Yes. <laughs> for those of you who proven. have not been with us for a couple of years, we were under the impression that when Tom Savage came out of nowhere to be drafted by the Houston Texans, and no one had ever heard of him. Except he might not be. Except Gil Brandt, who had been talking him up. Yes, might, might not be a corporeal entity. Potentially a hologram. 
Right. Top right. Savage is real. <laughs> but he's real because he played in that game and did some things. Well, he threw a real touchdown. That's something Brock Osweiler didn't do. Top Savage is real. <laughs> Want a hot take on the quarterback situation? Sure. I'd rather just play that drop 35 times and then leave, but yeah, go on. Not only would I rather have Paxton Lynch than Brock Osweiler, I'd rather have Trevor oh. Simeon than Brock Osweiler. There were a lot of people problem. tweeting that that, the, that John Elway... <laughs> you want me John to wait Elway, it's obvious to everyone? Well, th- but no, that was all over Twitter last night. John Elway's never looks smarter that he probably has a better starter, according to a lot of these people tweeting, in Trevor Simeon than Brock Osweiler. August 15th. I, I, I've, well, been as, I've been as anti... Uh, Osweiler signing as possible, but I don't take much out of three series. No, it's just a reminder. Yeah, that of what he did last year, with Brock Osweiler. Yeah, he got. He was not the worst quarterback in this game, though. I'll tell you that much. Well, well, all right, you, you thought Gabbert was? Well, let's let's talk the 49ers a little bit. That I mean, playing biggest... Gabbert. I'm sorry, I, I, we we won't spend more than a minute on it. But he comes right out of the gate. He has two easy lobs to Carlos Hyde that would have been positive yardage and set the offense up. Misfires on both. He throws a couple passes downfield that are completely underthrown, throws off his back foot on a big chance to connect downfield, finally gets saved when he hits Vance McDonald, made a good read, hit Vance McDonald, who did all the work on a 43-yard touchdown. It was not a good start for Blaine Gabbert. He is mobile. That's the one thing he showed, but it was, it was, it was ugly. Not a good night for the Jeff Driscoll will start games faction, though, either. That, th- is Connor Orr the only member of that faction? No, uh, the... San Francisco columnist said he thought all three quarterbacks will start three games at least. I'd plug in Driscoll as like a Danny Woodhead type. Guy can move. Gabbard had a touchdown drive out of two. I mean, do, I mean, do they make one of those NFL videos about all Blaine Gabbard's throws? <laughs> uh, I didn't see one. It was ugly. It was ugly. I mean, it was. He's uh, just doing everything trouble. that you that Bla- you thought Blaine Gabbard had grown out of. That's what he was doing. Those those uh, wine and cheese parties in Santa Clara. It's going to be tough this year. It's going to be well, some if tough football. If, you've, if you're rolling with wine and cheese, it's never really that tough. That's a good point. Yeah, that's they, true. You know, the, what, the win and loss happens, and they, you know, that rolls right off the back. All right, there you go. There's a recap of week one of the preseason. Uh, let's now move on, guys, and uh, continue our division-by-division division preview in our supersized edition of the Around the NFL podcast. NFC North, Marron. And, uh, Greg, you want to get us go- going by telling us who are the four teams in the NFC North? <laughs> uh, I believe the Green Bay Packers, yep. Detroit Lions, yes. Chicago Bears, yes. and uh, they recently allowed the Minnesota Vikings into the division. Was it recent? No. This like is the longest standing division. These teams, unlike every other division, have been together forever. It's nice. Good call, Greg. Uh, and all correct answers. Uh, so let's, just like we did with the NFC East last week, we're going to go through four different categories uh, to get a better grip on what's going on in the NFC North. So we're going to start with Greg. The breakout star of the NFC North in 2016 is? I'm going to go Teddy Bridgewater because I'm sick of no one talking to any Teddy Bridgewater okay. this year. And uh, I think he's got a lot of the traits that you look for in quarterbacks I think he's more mobile he's better against pressure his deep ball's not as bad as you think and he's got a great team around him that's going to make him uh look good if they're if they're winning a lot of games he could throw in Stefan Diggs is another one right I, I think you could put put a lot of guys on that team Eric Kendricks would be one Everson Griffin even though he's been around Danielle forever he, they could jump up it's 
I just think with Teddy Bridgewater, it's like we're and I'm guilty of it. We're so used to re-ranking quarterbacks each and every year. It's easy to forget at this point. A year ago, we liked them all better than all the other guys in his class, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Just because it for him, it's it's mental, and once he's that far ahead of the pack mentally, I think he can be a guy that sticks as a top ten type of quarterback. Do you think he has that type of ceiling? Yeah. Hmm. I big point. I it's the team around him that can help him become that player too. Absolutely. I mean, the, the line's a little worried, worrisome. It's not like they're loaded with crazy offensive talent, but you have Diggs, you have Rudolph, you have Peterson. That's pretty good. All right. I will throw one out there. I'll move to the Detroit Lions. And I don't know if Wes is going to agree with me on this, but I'm going to throw out Marvin Jones, uh, wide receiver who signed in the offseason and some really glowing reports about uh, through camp uh, about the rapport between Jones and Stafford. And actually, MLive.com, their beat reporter, wrote that, uh, that he has emerged, Marvin Jones, as their number one receiver, and it's, quote, not been all that close. Uh, so we don't know. Of course, we have Golden Tate there, who's had two very nice years in Detroit since he got there. No Megatron, so there is a void of those targets, over 100 targets um, or close to it, that need to be filled. And Marvin Jones, to me, who I always liked in Cincinnati, can really take the next step as a player in Detroit. I would put sandwiches that he won't have a thousand yards this year. What? Like really? That. You want to do it? Yeah, I would. I mean, these this report that Marvin Jones is the number one receiver. Well, I don't think that Stafford has to work on his connection with Golden Tate, so I'm not surprised that he's not going to Golden Tate every time. He does have to work on his connection with Marvin Jones, so that makes sense to me. But Marvin Jones, to me, feasted off of AJ Green. The single covers provided by him in Cincinnati. I don't know if that's going to be the case I, in Detroit. I would take that da- sandwich. I'd be on Dan's side. Well, the, now I know I, what sandwich to throw out. Yeah. Yeah, make a mental note of that. That's a good one. Uh, he's a talented player. Mark, what do you think about that? I have to See wonder if you anything with Golden Tate, if there's something going on physically with him, if he's being outshone by Marvin Jones, because I would take Golden Tate over Marvin Jones any day of the week. Hmm. Tate's I like Tate a lot. That's part of the reason why I like Jones because I think maybe he's a little better than he gets credit for. But uh, I don't know. I just think Jones will be uh, nice. I think they there's a little that old Ewing theory dynamic potentially in play with Detroit's offense. Uh, Calvin Johnson being out of the picture maybe changes their offense and it, they can maybe be a little bit better. I think possibly. Jones has the total skill set of a number one type of receiver. He another does. another making so does Golden Who'd, Tate though. Who's a number I, one I, receiver? I love Golden Tate and I don't think he's what teams look for in a number one type of receiver where he's going to go deep down the field especially and, and dominate on the sidelines. That's just not who he is. Who's a current number one receiver with a game similar to Marvin Jones? DeAndre Hopkins, you know, uh, is a better version. One is one that would pop to mind. All right, Wes, you're up. Breakout star. Well, first, let me say that I would, if I was doing the Lions, Amir Abdullah and Devin Taylor, whom Greg, his comment the other night was, that guy's really tall for a sack guy. <laughs> He's tall. <laughs> Those two guys I like. Uh, I'm going to go Kevin White for the Bears, who. Yeah, top, Wes. Top like 10. a personal connection with Kevin White. I I thought he was a really impressive guy at the <laughs> NFL Look draft. Wes is White? Uh, no, not alone. <laughs> for that reason. They actually oh. met. They met. Oh, okay. Yeah, Go ahead. Sorry. He's a good dude. Well, he's a top 10 talent at wide receiver, and I think he's a stud. So, I think, I mean, if you're that talented, you're going to do well and so get started. I, I guess one of our exercises, I was saying I thought he could make a big impact, but then I did hear some things that he was a little raw and had some a way to go. I guess you can't underestimate missing an entire rookie season, how that can maybe mess with your um, you know, progress, but – the, all the tools are there. We hear he's just a, a stud physically. Yeah, I don't put too much stock in 
whether he's raw or not. I don't know. Yeah, but your boy Cutler is prominently involved too. Can can beat writers tell you if you, how raw a guy is? I don't know about. Well, Dowell Loggins is involved. That concerns me. <laughs> That's a fair concern. Dowell Loggins and Jay Cutler. Love it when we get our first Dowell Loggins crack of the A little show bit of a dig. His his uh, offense left a lot to be desired in the preseason opener. That does not reflect well. I know it's just one game, but you got to score a point in the first <laughs> preseason game as an offense coordinator. All right, go ahead, Mark. Breakout I, star. I like what you mentioned with Diggs in Minnesota, but I'm going to go with the coach of the Vikings, Mike Zimmer. I've been preaching this all <laughs> offseason. No, I don't think it has to be a player. Former coordinator. I think that if the Vikings do what I think they're going to do, he is going to get that buzz and be talked about as one of the best coaches in the league. I think in a short amount of time – He's improved that roster in a way that few teams have been able to do over a couple of seasons. He's mixed it a bit, a veteran mix of his type of players that he's worked with before, along with some good draft picks. And the Vikings, they're ready to roll. I like the idea of uh, Mike Zimmer becoming a breakout star and being like the face of every fashion campaign. I don't know if it's going like to take on that type of life. celebs in the country. <laughs> I don't think don't he would want that kind GQ. of GQ. One last name. Don't sleep on Ha Ha Clinton Dix becoming a Pro Bowl safety this year. Hmm. All right, moving on. The biggest concern facing an NFC North team, and as Greg oh. expertly laid out earlier, there are four of them. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> I I want to know, can the Bears be a run-first team with that personnel? Because John Fox desperately wants to be a run-first team. You don't think of them as a run-first team. No team in the NFL ran more percentage-wise in the first half of games last year. And that was with Langford and, and, and uh, Forte. No team runs more when they're trailing in the second half of games. John Fox is trying to come back to a, a style of football. This was under with Adam Gase, but I think he'd still like to do it, where where they're going to run the ball. And I, I don't think they have the personnel to do that. Are they able to flip it and pass a little more with Jeffrey and White and Cutler because that's where their talent is. The offensive line I don't think is is that impressive. Uh, their backfield with Langford and Carey and doesn't look like Howard, the rookie, is going to make that big of an impact right away. It's not that good. And I just think that sort of recipe is not going to necessarily work for this team unless their defense is just dominant, and I don't see I will that happening. I piggyback on yours uh, because I was saying the Bears' offensive line yep. – uh, is a big question mark to me. Jay Cutler is going to be terrible if they don't give him time. And it was not a good scene in that first preseason game where they got shut out uh, against Denver with Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, Keep to leave and Chris Harris jr. All out of the lineup. Uh, and a lot of their problems were right at up front. They just lost their center for the year. I think if the bears have any chance of competing in what should be a pretty good division, uh, that O line is going to have to make a leap. And I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, I'm going to piggyback off of Greg. This is and trouble. Dan. We got to pivot. Let's talk about the Packers. No, I'm just slow kidding. down, Greg. The Lions and Bears offensive <laughs> lines, both of them. The Bears offensive line gives up seven sacks to the Broncos backups. Hmm. And you you said it. They've got a they've got a center problem. They need to go out and find a center because they don't have one. And the Lions, you you sink three first round draft picks into a line that can't block anyone. Well, you could almost extend this to the whole division. I think you talk to plenty of Packers fans who aren't exactly sure that that their tackle situation is is the best in the league. That David Bakhtiari is just the guy that they're going to have back there for fifty years. I mean, their draft. Well, it's better than Chicago's situation. Their draft pick. No. That's true. 
Uh, Minnesota's still not sure who's going to be their uh, right tackle this year. They're hoping Matt Khalil bounces back at left tackle. Seems like an in, uh, a division-wide problem and a lot of good pass rushers in this division. I wonder if uh, Johnny Fox will call up a member of the St. Louis Graybeards, Manny Ramirez, break him out of retirement. Isn't he not affiliated with the team? Once upon a time, was a big fill-in at center. Total jump he Fox was. move. I think he retired, yes, but if they could get him out of retirement. Little Manny Ramirez. Kind of like in a rep. Brett Favre-esque move. Pull, yeah. Go down to his house. He's probably down there. He's fishing Manny Ramirez. You just pull him out of retirement. He's like, Bring I want, him back. I want the guy who blew the Super Bowl in the first snap of the game. <laughs> he, I want that guy. <laughs> he did retire, yes, June 8th. Uh, listen, he could pull a Jordan. It would be huge news nationally. Mark? <laughs> what did he just say? I'm back? I'm back. <laughs> Press release. Uh, Mark, biggest concern? I was initially going to go with uh, Jim Caldwell and the Lions coaching staff because I just don't buy into this. They got this. the coaches right now. Well, you know, it's from a different angle. But I'm going to go with Jordy Nelson because I feel like we're waiting for the healthy Jordy Nelson to show up and be the guy. Mm. And that's sort of the linchpin to this whole offense clicking. And he's not on the field right now. I realize it's not a serious injury, but it's the other knee off of what he was dealing with last year. And are we going to get him at full speed out of the gate? Or is it going to be this thing that lingers on and on, forcing the Packers to you know, promote receivers up a notch? Well, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's he's a, 31 years old, so it's not like this is a 24-year-old guy coming back from knee problem and a major knee injury, but that's worth monitoring for sure. Jeff Janis, we just found out, out a month to six weeks. We'll see if Ty Montgomery steps up. They want Devontae. You're right. I don't the think they know what's going on there. Underrated storyline coming out of the four-team deep NFC North, <laughs> Greg Rosenthal. Why are you laughing? I don't know. Four teams in the NFC North. It's true. It's accurate. As with every other division. Uh, my my underrated storyline is the Bears' defense could be fun. I'm going back to the Bears. Bears. I, I don't know if they're going to be dominant, uh, but I think they could be fun. You think of that, that outside linebacker group, McPhee, uh, Young, Lamar Houston, and Leonard Floyd, I thought, showed up in that first preseason game, looked pretty good. Made some changes. You know, there's there's questions in the secondary, but there's some talent there. I, I think it could be a fun defense to watch. That I think they will be. Wait, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah, so. The question is, will they be, you know, bear, will they be forced to hold teams to, you know, 11 points to, yeah. to win games? But I do think, I think they were they, underrated last year. Yeah, good no, job. I, I agree with you on the Bears defense. I'll throw one out there. Please do. Yeah, Greg, desperate to talk about the Packers, so let's do it. Randall Cobb, underrated storyline. Uh, not only was he banged up last year, and at the combine, I remember, uh, I don't know if it was Ted Thompson, but I think it was actually uh, Mike McCarthy who was pounding uh, the podium saying, hey, listen, don't get on that guy. He battled through a bunch of injuries. He was never right physically. Now not only does Randall Cobb uh, come into a season healthy, he gets to now slide back into the role that is much more suited to him, and he could once again become the best mm. slot receiver in the NFL and have a monster comeback year. I think that uh, Randall Cobb, no one is talking about not only Jordy Nelson returning, but what that could mean for the rest of the wide receiver group, specifically Randall Cobb becoming Randall Cobb again. Underrated storyline. I like where you went there because when you first mentioned him, I thought you were going to say that nobody's talking about that he played through a couple of injuries. He could be banged up again this year. Maybe he's just not that good. But I agree with you. When he's healthy, hmm. 2014 Randall Cobb was the best slot receiver in the NFL. Fun to watch, too. Well, got, it, that just got me thinking. You could say that description about a few Packers players. I mean, 
Clay Matthews was not exactly Clay Matthews, and you can blame it all on the position, but I, I wouldn't. I don't think he was quite as effective as he used to be. Eddie Lacy, we've talked about ad nauseum, and Aaron Rodgers, despite, you know, Wes, you think nothing of his struggles was his fault last year. I mean, I, I think he, he's it's not true. Maybe not nothing of his struggles, but a, most of it was. I think it all stemmed from other things, but he started struggling. He definitely changed his throwing motion and didn't get his feet involved. Right. There's There's a lot of great players on that team that weren't great last year. Wes, up to you, baby. Underrated storyline. Something that no one is talking about outside of Detroit. What's going on with DeAndre Levy, who was one of the top ten defensive players in the league in 2014, misses almost all of last year with a hip injury that required surgery. He's on the non-football injury list. He's not missing training camp because of an injury Hmm. or because of the hip thing. He's missing training camp for some mysterious reason that Jim Caldwell won't talk about. The beat writers know about it, but don't feel at liberty to talk about it. Mm. I don't know what's going on with DeAndre Levy, but there are Lions fans who believe he may never play again in the Lions uniform. Mm. Wow. And the Lions are saying, yeah, we expect him back for week one. They won't tell us anything that's going on with him. This is a mystery. I like mysteries. I would like, I would, no, I'd like to see Wes. I, let's fly him out to the city, to Detroit, get you a nice little apartment there. And you just get on this case. Well, I have a, I have a better idea. What's old Frank Signetti up to these days? Detective Frank Signetti, he's not, on the case. Not much, from what we understand. <laughs> he's in the Big Apple, looking to clean up a dirty city. What was the name of the girl he was looking for in L.A.? I have forgotten. <laughs> Rebecca Peterson. <laughs> Where are funny. you? Frank will get you. It was one of those three names. It was, it was a, Saint, Saint something. It was Ellie Ann something or other. It was a French name. Yeah. Uh, finally, Mark, underrated storyline. All right. Linval Joseph, Sharif Floyd, Everson Griffith, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. The Vikings have a Super Bowl defense in the making, and they're going to they're gonna take this division down. I believe in this defense more than any other defense in the NFC right now, and they're going to make my opinion correct by late September, early October, people will be seeing this. So your underrated storyline is that the Minnesota Vikings have a Super Bowl defense. Yes. Have the best defense in the NFC. Better than the Panthers and Seahawks. Yes. I believe that is how it will play out. Interesting. That is an underrated story. I don't think it's story. outlandish or anything. I just think it's interesting. Things will need to happen. Is it a little underrated, though, Wes? It's definitely underrated. Things Mark, will, Mark things, came up with a, a banger here. Things will need to happen. Yeah. In, you know, for this to happen, but I, I believe it will. I believe got a lot they got, they got the pieces. Talent. Then they've been there. They were pretty They've close to depth. the best last year. Just get a little better. A little underrated. That's get a little better. Just a little That's better. their motto. Get a little get a better. Little. <laughs> Finally, um, time to talk a little crossroads campaign uh, in the NFC North. One plus one plus one plus one equals four. <laughs> Greg Rosenthal. Let's go to uh, Detroit and Matthew Stafford. Ooh. At some point, maybe it's not even the crossroads. Maybe you're just the new Jay Cutler. But the, oh. the whole uh, Jim Bob Cooter phenomenon was real. Their offense completely changed after Jim Bob Cooter was there. You mentioned they were a terrible run blocking line. They were a great running team after Jim Bob Cooter took over. Top 10 uh, in uh, football outsiders and running once. Cooter came over. Can he keep that going, and especially in the passing game with Matthew Stafford, and have him be an appreciably better and more consistent quarterback? Because that's their only chance. I mean, I'm listening to the Lions 
preseason broadcast, and the guy was talking about that Matthew Stafford is a top five talent. If I talk to Still. people around the leagues, people around the leagues, and there is no one more talented than Matthew Stafford. I, I don't know if I quite He's got buy the strongest that. arm in the NFL. Wait, during that preseason broadcast, I yeah. listened to that too. That was just absolute nonsense. It was a little crazy. The local guys, they're doing their you know, best. I get it. The regional coverage. I get guys. it. I get it. You're. You're what right. was the when we threw it down to a sideline report on Friday night? What was it again? We don't even have to name names, but what was the update on a player? Uh, the update was uh, a player had had water and hydrated after they went to the sidelines because <laughs> water and hydrating was important. Uh, all, that all is water true. August. I will, Get wet. I will piggyback uh, on Greg's point uh, somewhat. I think there are two quarterbacks who are safe in their jobs right now in this division. Of course, Aaron Rodgers and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Matthew Stafford and Jay Cutler, not so much. I think Stafford has another year at least where he could be the fire could be under his feet a little bit, even if he struggles this year. Jay Cutler, and I know he's signed through the 2020 season, which is crazy, uh, but at a certain point, next year could come. And if they if they don't have a good season this year, and let's say either John Fox gets fired and they start with a, a new a new look. That could be bad news for Jay Cutler. Or John Fox is told, hey, you got one year more year to get this right. That could force John Fox's hand to maybe look somewhere else. But the Bears just seem to be stuck in football purgatory with this guy at this point. And I wonder if uh, Jay Cutler has one more year in terms of being this undisputed uh, number one quarterback before things start to change in his career arc. Well, I'll do you one better here, Mike. Crossroads campaign is the Bears passing game. A lot of Bears. Jay Cutler, all of his guaranteed money is done. They can cut ties with him now whenever they want. Alshon Jeffrey, they already used the franchise tag on him. What are they going to do next year? I mean, they're just going to let him go to the highest bidder? I think there's a lot on the line here. Dole Loggins, is he a really NFL caliber play caller? I think there's a lot in Chicago with that passing game that could be they might have to start all over again. Next it's year. wild because they've already have started all over just about. They they had more like new starters on their team this year than I believe any team in the league just about. That's defense and offense. It's insane. Like They are a totally different team than when Fox took them over. Yeah, I mean, I had John Fox slash Jay Cutler as my crossroads <laughs> campaign, and I think it just makes sense. I mean, if you're Fox and you're – the Bears, you look at what John Fox does historically, he gets your team to the doorstep, then you bring someone else in to take them further. But if they make, if they take a step backwards this year, then at this point, I mean, what what is left for, why do you keep going with Cutler and, and John Fox? So I, I agree with your point there. Finally, guys, and you could take this wherever you want, uh, but maybe a good way to also say who your winner of this division is. Uh, let's each pick a song that best explains the NFC North. We'll start with Greg. So you just hear this. I'm excited. And you just say, uh-oh, uh-oh, Return of the G by Outkast. Uh-oh, Green Bay's back. You know, the album before this comes out, it's it's Equimini, it's great. It's it's like rappers in space. Oh, okay. That's how you pronounce it. I always wondered. You know, uh, ATLians, rather, before this. Yeah. You know, okay, it's rappers in space. That's great. This one, Return of the G, they're letting you know, first track, this is a different outcast. This is the old, even better version. They're taking over the division. Vikings in second place, Lions in third, and Bears coming last. I like it. In fact... Let's do some more piggybacking. <laughs> this is my favorite song of 2016, guys. It's 
Harmar Superstar. I love Harmar Superstar. How did I get through the day? And it's this is Aaron Rodgers saying it. Just listen, now picture Aaron Rodgers saying this. Oh, what a voice. No Jordy Nelson last year. A Ruben-esque Eddie Lacy. A bank. Zoftig even. Zoftig even. Overmatched and injured Randall Cobb. And somehow Aaron Rodgers still willed his team to the playoffs last year. But this year it's going to be all different. He's got all his boys back. And he's just left to think about how did he get through the day last year. While you're looking up that Harmar superstar song at home. Yes. Lady who, Lady You Shot Me and Prisoner are two great songs by Harmar Superstar. I would like to see him live. Interesting dude. What a talent. Wes, you're up. All right. Let's stay on the same note. <laughs> Green Bay Packers. Murphy's Law type of season. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Winwood! I trust the quarterback, trust the coaching staff, trust the GM. This is a perennial powerhouse in the NFC, and they're going to be back in the high life again. We went with Steve Winwood on this because I know Mark and Dan love some Winwood, but Warren's Yvonne's version. Check that out. Uh, you should have went with that. I could have, but I think the Packers score 500 points this year, and you know they're that type mm. of offense. And it looks like all three of us, and maybe Mark, are in agreement. No, no, no. Well, you I banned. Th- no, Mark. You banned of groupthink hobos. Hold on. What? Second place Vikings. Third place Bears. Fourth place Lions. This is. Uh, I I didn't say mine. Uh, Vikings second place and a playoff spot. Ten wins. Uh, Bears rounding out the group. How daring of you. Yeah. You group think hobos. Roll with it, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's clear that there's no connection here. I, I, I need to hear yes, the connection. Listen. Last one was I touched myself. Now it's up two cents. Mark loves his one-hit wonders. <laughs> 1991. <laughs> All right, Mark. Let's hear it. All right. That's everyone just automatically, blindly putting Green Bay in first place. I'm too sexy to deal with anyone else in this division. Look at me and the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings are going to win this division. I've already mentioned it, and they are a Super Bowl legit type team, and they're going to nip Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to be much better than last season on offense. I'm not taking any of that away, Mm. but it's just this automatic hopscotching of the Minnesota Vikings who played tough football last season, and I really believe they're a playoff team again, and they're going to win the NFC North. I think the Packers have the top five quarterback of all time here. Oh, Too sexy is everyone just like, look at me automatically putting Green Bay back on top of the NFC. Wait, I'm so, so sexy. So I just, we're, we're right said Fred in this scenario. You guys are te- walking around saying that, that you're too sexy for everyone Have else, you guys, but you're actually But wrong. he was right. He was too sexy. No, he end. wasn't. Have you, I watched the video today. Wait, he was nowhere near You realize too sexy. that Mark went with Divinals, I Touch Myself, and his reasoning behind that song was exactly the same. <laughs> right. Well, He's no. Saying, oh, everybody touching that myself. That was at so the proud expense of, themselves. of the entire division. But in similar this case, Yes, it's similar. It's yes. hubris that I t- wait. So you you called us. You said we were hobo groupthink. I believe groupthink hobo. So, but your 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 crazy wild take here is the team that lost by one point in the playoffs will be back to the playoffs, but not be a Super Bowl team. No, I think they will be a Super Bowl team. Oh, they're making the Whoa. Super Bowl. Okay, I'm glad I asked. You just well, got Sessler off the fence. Then say it. Then say that. That's I great. I just said they're a okay. Super Bowl team before. You okay. said they had a Super Bowl level defense. Yeah. Do you object to the notion that groupthink hobo is an oxymoron? 
Mm, okay, hobos West. tend to be independent thinkers. Maybe West. you don't know how many Good hobos point. you're hanging out with. Sometimes they all do the same thing. They walk to get on a train together. Give me a cigarette. Give me this. Yeah, yeah. they're losers. Well, I don't know a about that. A lot of conspiracy theories floating around with those hobos. <laughs> all right, I'm not losers. <laughs> By the way, Vikings, Packers, Bears, Lions. Man, we got six more of these. Dan clearly does not like. I think no. Previous. I like this. You established like we that last in, week. Last I feel like week. we got him pretty deep on this one. Yeah. How long has this episode been? Ninety-seven minutes long. Oh, this is we're crumbling. rolling here. Um, all right, good talk though. Hey, listen, it's fun football talk. I'm not saying I don't like this egg. I'm just saying it's it's a bit of a beast. We'll get it done by September. <laughs> hey, I do want to. I want to send one. Uh, you don't have to have that many categories. Yeah, we can cut down. We'll work on it together privately. I want to send out uh, condolences on behalf of the entire Around the NFL podcast to Mark Brady, uh, who is a important guy behind the scenes here at uh, NFL Media and is a big champion of our podcast and does a lot of uh, great work. His father, Patrick Brady, uh, passed away last week. Um, so just sending out good vibes to the Brady fam in our thoughts. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Around the NFL podcast with a special guest, perhaps. Not a indie rapper, but maybe a woman. News to us. All these things are in the air. Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, we will all be reacting uh, again off the, off the uh, Thursday preseason games uh, as we roll on towards another season of football. Till then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and the Irish. Behind the glass. Till Wednesday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.